that song we're singing there, God, you're so good. God is so good. It's a prophetic statement over your life. It's a declaration. It's almost like the angels in heaven are joining us and singing, God is so good. Because there is nothing bad in him. Absolutely nothing. He despises sin. But beyond that, he loves far beyond what we can ever understand. And the the Bible is clear, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Other than us choosing to separate ourselves because we become stubborn, hard-headed, just can't release, can't let go, can't understand the faithfulness, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. You see, that's what he is. And that's how he sees his people. And I want to encourage those, those who have given your life to Jesus, you are whole and complete. And maybe I'm harboring on this point, but I really feel in my spirit that God has been emphasizing the importance of how we see him. Because he's told us how he sees us. But this morning it's how you see him. Are you willing to let go of those hardships? Are you willing to walk away from those other things? That you can come back and see the face of your father once again. The privilege of us people today when that curtain was broken, Christ on the cross and the sacrifice made, is that we come boldly into the Holy of Holies and into the throne of God. Generations before, and I've said it time and time again, and I will keep saying it, generations before, mankind before, other than the, before the fall of man, had the privilege of having the fullness of our Father. We're a privileged nation of people. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not ever forget what Jesus has done for us. Let's not ever forget the love that he showed us. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, and obviously it's over the Easter period, we've been talking about the cross and the journey of the cross and what some some of the significant things that the cross has for us. If anything that you can get out of that, get this one thing, the love that Jesus had for you and me. The sacrifice that he made that you and I can stand and sit and walk and move around in freedom. Our eternities set for life, despite the failures that we have. And trust me, I have many failures. This week, every day of my life is filled with failure. But if I spend my life focused on the failure, I lose sight of the glory of God and the one that has drawn me out of that failure. And again, nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, but just just my heart. God is so good take that into your heart listen to that God you're so good broken marriages God you're so good abusive relationships God you can be good financial difficulties 
God, you can be good. Depression, God, you can be good. Hopelessness, God, you can be good. More than that, God is good. Believe it this morning. This morning I'm just chatting on and it's uh, part of the, 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 the story of the cross and we've gone quickly through it. We've, we've, we've learned from the, the story across the journey that Jesus had to follow and the importance and, and what that means for you and me. And, and we've, we've learned about the nails in the hand and how once that nailed and the blood was flowing and, 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 and Tim shared with us and how the, 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 the failures that we had were washed and covered by the blood of Jesus. And we've learned so much from the cross, the importance of it. And one of the, 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 the topics that I'm going to be talking about is a simple little piece of wood that was insignificantly put onto the cross. But God never does anything insignificantly. Never. The Bible tells us he, took a, he, he, he got a guy, an ungodly man, to make a, a plaque, a piece of wood, and to uh, describe on that piece of wood something significant that will last for generations. We just see it as something there. I've made my own little crude little one there. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And that was just the lettering that was put onto it as well. But this morning I want to talk about a sign and what that means in our life. What does the cross tell us about the sign? I want to tell you something. If it was insignificant, God would have looked over it. But it was never insignificant because all four of the Gospels make reference to this sign that was put over Jesus' head. What does it mean for you and me? What can we learn from those things? And I've got some ideas of signs that we've, that we've all seen, and I think hopefully they will all become on the screen, but we'll soon see over there. And of course, if I, if I went along and I showed you that one over there, it's a good old stop sign. We see signs every single day of our life. Everywhere you drive, roads would be chaos. They are chaos, generally, anyway. But they would be even more chaotic if we didn't have signs indicating where we were going and what we were doing. So signs sometimes show us what we need to, the response that we need to have. Sometimes they warn of some danger. Tell us, don't go that way. Stay away from that thing, you hazardous material, whatever it might be, indicating that there are some problems along the way. Of course, this favorite one, because this is very relevant today, potholes. Okay? I think there's very few roads that we drive that don't have that sign on anymore. And of course, it doesn't mean anything because they don't fix them. So it's like permanent potholes. That's what it say, you know. And that's, that's one of them. And then I found this particular sign, which I thought was quite relevant. It said there, let's see if it comes on to that one there, cocaine drop-off zone, 11 o'clock. So you also get signs that are not really, not really valuable to society in general. Okay. So some signs are good and some signs can be bad. I think that one particularly is not really a, a great one to be advertising. Then, of course, we get other signs that are not physical signs that we see. And, of course, there's the, a the sign if we can go, if I went like this, everything's cool, lacquer, bakat, thumbs up, great, wonderful. Lots of signs. 
And of course, our fingers can tell a lot more signs as we go along, as we're driving on those pothole roads with the taxis on the left-hand lane. And so there's gestures and things that we have in life that are dictating things, but it's not necessarily something we see or necessarily something verbal. It can be for signs. If we go to the next one over there, you'll see the sign expressed on a person's face. Our faces tell a thousand stories. People can tell you, oh, everything's lacquer. Perfect. But their face can tell a very different story because it's a sign of what's taking place internally. We've got another one over there, and we can see over there, perplexed. If you see somebody sitting like that, it immediately shows that there's something deeper that's lying within. And of course, the last little picture that I had over there, and of course, I love that one over there, the lovely smile, the joy, the excitement. So we can go from a a, a real perplexed and downward expression to something that is very joyful and exciting. And it can all come from our face, but it represents how we are and who we are. So it represents a sign of what, what lies behind and, and, and behind us as individuals. It perhaps shows us the true self of really what you are or where we are at. See, signs bring direction. They bring warning. They bring caution. They can be helpful and they give ex- uh, uh, information. And as I said to you, I'm just summarizing the signs can be physical. We see them. They, they displayed the signs on the wall, however it might be, in the shops, advertising, physical. They can be gestures, and they can be nonverbal, and they can be verbal, however they want to do. Now, the Bible talks about signs as if it... Jesus illustrates, and the Bible, when it was written, illustrates such an important part of signs. It was right from the very beginning. You see, I mean, in the, in the, in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, God said, you could partake of everything else except that tree. Do not eat of its fruit. He had put a warning over that, stay away. But what I've realized with mankind... We, we have an issue with listening to signs. Of course, road signs show us really that we have a serious issue on how those things, robots that are red and we just think they, they just, well, I must just might go. And the challenge is that we have that. But from the fall of man, the man ingrained into man, we have an inheritability to either obey a sign or disobey a sign. But God is giving us signs every single day of our life. Everywhere you walk, everything you do, He's directing you. And I want to say to you, He's incredibly gracious. Because it's not like He comes into your life and He says, Dusty, I showed you a sign 15 years ago. Why didn't you obey? He knows we're a bit donkop, stubborn. We don't listen too well. So He continually, in His mercy and in His grace is showing us time again, time again. Listen, you're off track. Can't you not see? You're supposed to be pulling to the right. His love, his kindness. And so we see right from the beginning, the fall of man, man disobeying the sign that God said, do not enter, do not go there. 
We see Cain and Abel, how one sacrifice can be accepted by God and the other can't be accepted. That's signed before God. One is acceptable, one is not. We see of Noah and the flood and what happened after the flood. God gives us in the most incredible sign. Now, I mean, you to understand, a rainbow did not exist before that. We think it did. But God created a rainbow there and then supernaturally as a sign to his people of his covenant and his love for us and that he will never destroy the earth like that again in that way. And yet we look at this rainbow and we say, I wonder where the pot of gold is. We forget the meaning and the depth behind it. Moses Walking in the wilderness, he sees a burning bush. Now, we've talked about burning bushes. A burning bush, that's not burning. A sign, God says, here I am. It draws him closer. He comes closer and God gives him the purpose, gives him the vision, gives him the heart that he needs to fulfill and the place that he needs to go and the destiny that he needs to go. And the most amazing thing that his destiny, his purpose and his plan didn't just influence his life, it influenced generations and generations and generations there afterwards. Because people were set free. Now imagine if he missed that opportunity. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. But do we miss opportunity? We do. God's saying, see the signs, learn the signs, that we don't miss what his plan he's got for us. Moses. In fact, going, going to that when the burning bush had said there, God said, and this was in Exodus 3 verse 12, he said, God said, this will be signed to you that it, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. So he says he's already, he's dictating to, to, to Moses what will happen. He said, because Moses is full of fear and said, well, if I go back to Pharaoh, he's going to kill me and all that. He's saying, follow me at my sign. Do what I'm telling you to do. And you will come and celebrate on this very mountain. And that will be the sign that I have brought victory into your life. He's telling you, you will have the victory. You will come out of Egypt. You will bring the people out. Believe it, and you will celebrate on the mountain that God has set before you this morning. The staff in his hand, thrown down, turns into a snake. God gives signs to people. Sometimes they're physical signs in that case to try and to, 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 to create a belief in their heart and a direction in their heart and something that they need to grasp hold of. He's, he's had signs in mind from the very beginning. And that's the significance of this sign put on that cross at that time for that season. We see in the upper room the Holy Spirit coming, falling on the people. He didn't just come and just flitter around and it was a little experience. The Bible said the power of God came. The sign of the Spirit came and filled that room. People's lives were changed. Cloud by, by day, the fire by night. The water from the rock, as we see. Food from sky, the manna. How God provides these things as a picture 
of His goodness and His kindness to us all the time. We go back, come, go forward a bit of time, and we see the shepherds. God shows them a sign. An angel appears and says this. This will be a sign to you, a baby wrapped in clothes, laying in a manger. So this angel appears. Now you would think, well, I had an angel appear to me today. I think that would be enough convincing. Not only one angel, the Bible says, then a whole lot of angels came and they serenaded and they sang. And they made him so aware and they went off to go and have a look and see if there was a baby lying in a manger because that was the sign that what they had seen was the true living God. I'm telling you, their lives were changed with that experience. Because God cares about the man who's sitting in the field in the no man's land, who's just kind of tending his sheep, looking after the insignificant people. A shepherd in those days were insignificant people. But God cares about insignificant people. And if you think you're insignificant, he's telling you this morning you're not. You're incredibly significant because he'll go to the ends of the world and he'll show them a sign to bring them back so they can realize the living Christ is alive and well. It says that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen. When you experience a miracle and follow what God has taught doing in your life and following the directions that he's putting before you, you will come out celebrating and praising God. It's when we miss the signs and we choose our own direction and God's saying go right and we're going left that we lose out on the things that God has got for us. We, move, move, we miss out on that celebration and that praise, that joy and excitement that needs to take place. What about signs that Jesus did? The Bible said he did signs and wonders. All the way through his ministry, he did signs. Declarations, physical things that people could see that would demonstrate his power and his love for people. All the time, he did those things. John 20, verse 30 to 31. Many of the signs, uh, they, um, therefore did uh, Jesus in the presence of his disciples and which were not written in the book. So Jesus did a lot more things. And, and he demonstrated his power and his love so much more with half, half of it. But these things written that, they, that we may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And we can believe that we have life in his name. You see, the sign must always bring you to Jesus. The blind saw. The lepers were healed. People with blood issues were dealt with. Raising of the dead. Casting of demons. Centurions. People who weren't even believers were healed. Well, their, their, their servant was healed because he just pleaded on the name of Jesus. He called Jesus. Jesus didn't even go there. He was healed. People touched his cloak and they were healed. He broke fish and he broke bread and he fed multitudes as a sign to you and I that he's amongst us. The most amazing, he says to the disciples, you go and do 
and greater things you will also do. God expects us to have a faith and a belief that in the same way Jesus was demonstrating the power of God, we as believers should be demonstrating the power of God as a sign to the unbelievers as well. Not for our own glory, not for our own hope, but that they would lead to the one. And quickly, I want to just give you a bit of history on this, on the sign. This sign particularly put over the cross. It emphasizes the importance of that time. You must understand this thing was put on by a man called Pilate as an insult to the Jewish people. It wasn't intended to say, I'm going to put that on there, that it would be benefit to the people. It was actually an insult. But we know with God, what man intends for destruction, God can turn around for victory. And so he takes a simple little thing like this, put onto the top of Jesus and says, he says, I'm going to do something significant. Because Pilate made a choice there. He said there that I'm going to do something completely different. And it was put into three different languages. Not just one. It wasn't just king of the Jews, so we'll just put it in Hebrew. It was put in Latin and it was put in Greek. Watch what it says here. Now, Greek in those times was the international language. So in other words, the, the, it was the language the Bible says here, or, or, or commentaries say there, it was the international language of com, uh, culture, representing human wisdom, art, and commerce. So it was an incredibly important language. So if you were somebody who was a, an important person, you had to speak Greek because you were part of the economy, you were part, part of commerce, you were part of business, you were an important status person. The Latin was the official language of the Roman Empire. And as we will, the Roman Empire at that stage was basically ruling most of the, the world at that stage. And at that stage, it represented government, the authority, the people in power. And then, of course, it was put in Hebrew, which was the religious language of that particular day. And it represented the covenant race, God's chosen people. You see, when God even made a silly little sign and had it put onto his head, when he put it on the three different languages, he was saying that sign doesn't just represent one people. It represents everybody in the world, every nation, every tongue, every culture, every color, every language that you speak. He didn't say Zulu is better than Kosa. He didn't say... Uh, this nation's that better than now. He said, I represent everybody, and my message is for everybody. For you, for me, for every believer. Whether you're important or not important, God is saying, I have a message for you. Watch this. I was reading something completely different. At the same time that the cross was taking place, we know it was the Passover. And we know that story of the Passover. That I think Tim explained it quite well, where you've got to put the blood on the doorpost. And it was, it was where the angel of death passed by the, the, the Jewish nation at that stage. And so they celebrated the Passover. But what they had to do at the Passover is they had to take a lamb, and they had to slaughter the lamb and have it killed for their sins. A lamb without spot or blemish. 
the Bible says. It had to be cleaned. It couldn't have any defects. And what they would do is they would bring these lambs to wherever it is. Now, you must remember, it's not one little priest sitting there. or There might have been a whole lot of them. But the reality is it was not one little family coming. There were thousands of families coming to make their sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. Now, what they did is they brought their lamb, and for three days that lambs would stay in a certain area while they would watch and make sure that there was no fault or blemish on that thing. But what I found most profound is around every single lamb's neck, there was a little sign put on them. And that sign had the name of what family it represented. And the reason for that, of course, there were thousands. So when that, when that lamb was, 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 was killed for the atonement of that family's sin, they knew which family it represented. And so Jesus takes that exact picture and he throws it onto the cross and says, I put a sign on top of the cross which says that your family, my family, our family's name is represented on that. And so once and for all, the atonement of sin will take place for you, for me, for everybody. He follows through the letter of the law completely on an insignificant man who just said, let's throw a sign as an insult. On people's lives. God. He is. When I, when I read that. My mind blows. Because the depth of his detail. Everything is significant. To him. In your life. Everything. Is significant. He doesn't just look at you and say. Mm, I don't know. He's concerned about the deepest. Darkest things. The agony, the torment, the joys, the excitement, the troubles with your children, the troubles with your family, the troubles with your spouse, whatever it might be, God is so concerned, so loving, and so caring. It's a picture of devotion. There's no person he does not love. And there's no person he does not want to reach. Every language covered for you and me. Every nation covered. Watch this. I'm going to close now. There's a man on the cross next to Jesus. A sinner. A murderer. The worst of the worst. What does he say to Jesus? Do not forget me. When you go where? To your kingdom. How did he know that Jesus was in a kingdom? King of the Jews. He saw a sign that declared that this man was a king of somebody. And he said to him, don't forget me. When you go to your kingdom. But Jesus said, tonight you'll be with me. The significance of that sign, if Jesus put, had that sign put in his head just for that one man, he would have done that. He would have laid down everything for that one man on the cross who didn't pray a sinner's prayer. He just acknowledged who Jesus was. And he saw something about this man that was far greater. And he said, I want to be in your kingdom. Are we wanting to be in his kingdom?
It's one thing to miss the sign. And I wanted to touch on the... There's, there's something about... and I, Forgive me if you're not married. You might not understand it. But if you're married, there's signs that happened between couples. Some of them are spoken quite loudly, softly. But there are a lot of little signs that mean the world. A little squeeze of the hand can tell a thousand words. A little stare tells you a thousand words. Children will know that as well because you'll have a parent and they'll just look at you and they'll, oh. So we're betraying something all the time. But there's something about a marriage where it's just, it just it is. And I mean, I, I can tell you now, I, I've missed so many signs. Some of them are quite tragic, but I tell you because they're like ridiculous. But the reality is, I can tell you now, you, and especially as guys, I think it's easier for us to miss the signs because it seems like the women have got more signs than guys. We're more chilled. They've got lots of signs for very all occasions. But you'll be sitting at a, 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 at a bra, and then suddenly you get that little squeeze, and it means, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> or does it? I don't know. You know? Sitting at the table and a kick under the table, like you, you're not allowed, uh, shouldn't have been saying that. You know? So there's signs all around. But watch what it says there. It's, it's, it's one thing to miss the signs from your wife, or the signs on the road, or the directions, whatever it is. But to miss the sign from the king of kings can have long-term consequences. God puts signs, the rainbow. He tells us that the, when you walk on the beach, he says, my children, my nations are like this, the sand, the grains of sand on the beach. Communion is a sign. Baptism is a sign. What does a sign do? God will do whatever it takes to share with you His truth. God will take, do whatever it takes to share with you His direction. God will do whatever it, do, it, needs, whatever it takes to share with you His purpose. God will do whatever it takes to share with you his love. And lastly, God will do whatever he must do to share with you his compassion. You see, I, the grace of God, as I said to you before, fortunately, God is not giving you one sign and one sign only. I want to encourage you this morning, if you get my heart, and as we close, is to say to you, let's be attentive and let's be open. Let's have our hearts wide to see what God is saying, what direction we need to follow in your business, in your married life, in every aspect of your life. Are you watching for the signs that He's giving you? Some of them will be verbal. And so there'll be people in your life that are speaking into your life and they'll be verbal. Some of them will be physical that you can see well, that's not a good idea if I do that. Some of them will be non-spoken. Some of them, it's just gestures of the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart at that moment in time. Sharing the love of Christ.
What are some of the things I said there? Physical, seen, felt, and experienced. What about the written word? That's a massive sign. God gives us this Bible. It is filled with direction. We choose so many wrong directions because we don't choose to obey this. I'll leave out that, that chapter in that Bible because I don't like it. Through people, through situations. Look at Jonah. God puts him into the belly of a fish. Why? Because he didn't see the sign of where God wanted him to go. So he brings him to the belly to redirect him to where he needs to go. So situations, hardships in your life are signs to say, get off that track. I want you back on where I need you to go. Nonverbal. The Holy Spirit. The gentle voice of And in your own life, God uses you as a signboard for others. Now that's a tough one. Because how do I reflect what God wants me to reflect? My faith. Am I a person of belief and faith? Do I believe for the impossible? When I pray for somebody, is it prayed with faith? Belief and power. Do people see me as a sign of faith? My stand, my commitment at work. Are you there? Are you standing the, the stand that you need to make? Are you, are you putting the boundary that needs to be placed? Or are you becoming part of the situation? Part of the community that God never intended you to be? Your belief, your words, your tongues, how you speak, the language you speak. Your actions, your gestures. <laughs> Stupid people. That's me. Put me in a queue at McDonald's. And they take 30 minutes to give me my meal. My gestures and my actions aren't godly as they should be. But I've got to remember, I need to be the reflecting sign of Jesus Christ. My testimony. What is your testimony? Is that testimony a sign, a declaration to the people round about you of God's goodness and God's grace, His compassion, His correcting, and His kindness? Those are the things that we as people need to carry on our signboard. Our signboard needs to reflect all those things. Obedience to the sign. We'll see this morning that something completely insignificant is valuable and important and it's a lesson for us to live. What are we declaring to the world around us? Are we obeying or are we floundering? If you miss the one sign, don't worry. God's got more. But just don't keep missing them. Because unfortunately, the more you miss, the longer you go off the track and the harder it is to pull back to where God wants you to be. So this morning, Father, we thank you. We thank you that your cross can teach us such value, such life, such importance. It teaches us about your love for us. And this morning, you've shown us your love. You've shown us that you love your people, that you care about your people, 
that you see such value in your people, that you see such potential in your people. And I pray, God, that you would just allow that seed and that to germinate in their life, that they would arise to what you want them to be. And I thank you, God, that you would make our signs clear where they've been a little bit dull. Put some lights, make them nice and bright, that we would clearly see where you want us to go. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.